Hey guys, welcome back to 5nothing100nothing.com. I am Fugget, the fittest underdog guru using intelligent tactics. And today, guys, I have a very strange video for you. Um, I, as well, a lot of you know, I was a professional wrestler um, and still have done it part time in more recent years uh, for fun and still just trying to see if the old man still has it. And I had a couple of requests. Um, from people that want to know that when I was in the wrestling business or before I got in the wrestling business, who were my favorite um, pro wrestlers or like talent, right? So first off, I have a top, I made it up a top 10 list of my favorite pro wrestlers, right? The ones that were the most influential um, growing up and then getting into the business. And once I was in the business, um, sort of like when you find out Santa Claus isn't real, you know, you kind of see, um, the wizard behind the uh, curtain and it kind of ruins it for you a little bit, but you can still appreciate the art form. So a lot of these wrestlers were ones that I, um, watched and looked up to before I actually became a pro wrestler. And a couple of them, as it'll be explained, were influential while I was in, the wrestling business. So first off, these top 10 are actual pro wrestlers or tag teams. Um, but the, um, I want to have honorable mention and I have two, two people in particular. One is Bobby, the brain Heenan always cracked me up, um, was brilliant. And then when I got into the business, I realized just how amazing and influential he was. Uh, and the second one is Howard Finkel, the ring announcer for uh, the old WWF. And I think he still works behind the scenes, but um, he's one of the first guys I met when I got to WWF and was one of the first ones from the front office that greeted me and was extremely um, nice, kind and warm and knew everything about me before um, I ever laced up my boots there. So anyways, for those of you that have are still watching, uh, these are my top 10 favorite and or um, who I was influenced by as a kid and then as a big kid, as an adult uh, pro wrestler, pro wrestling fan. Uh, number 10, The Warlord. Okay. Now these go in order. Okay. So my number one is going to be my favorite or most influential and uh, 10 will be the least, right? The Warlord. Terrible worker slash wrestler, um, but a big SOB. And I just thought this guy is a monster and was very, um, I was very awe-inspired by him. And I enjoyed watching his matches, even though I came to find out later on he was not that good in the ring. He was just an amazing physical specimen. And um, I always liked watching his matches. Okay, that's number one. Two, the Brain Busters, um, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. I thought these guys just looked like they were like redneck truck drivers or something. They didn't look like they had much in the way of a physique, but they were so, they were a well-oiled machine in the ring. They were very cagey. They were very um, like quick tags. They had Bobby the Brain Heenan as their manager. And um, I just loved watching them wrestle. Like I love watching them cheat, um, you know, break the rules and all these other things that I just appreciated um, them and their heel personas. Uh, number eight, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, I was a fan when he was um, a wrestler in Japan and then in Smoky Mountain Wrestling as a tag team called the Thrill Seekers. And I always thought this guy has all of the makings of a, he was like a younger Shawn Michaels. 
And Chris Jericho, who's also the lead singer of the band Fozzie, has went on to just recreate himself over the years and has done some amazing things in pro wrestling and still makes himself relevant today. So kudos to Chris Jericho. Number seven, Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid. Um, I had just got into the wrestling business and um, I was like in my late teen years when Shawn Michaels really started to become relevant. And he was um, just this high flyer that could do everything. He was very charismatic and uh, he was on top of the world in the early nineties um, just before the attitude era broke. And I just loved watching his work. Um, he was one of the smaller guys he still had a good physique but gone were the um, the era of the the juicers, the big steroided up dudes, and um, his trimmed down physique, very athletic, paved the way for guys like me um, during the Attitude Era in their light heavyweight or cruiserweight division um, to to have an impact. Um, number six, the guy that trained me, Al Snow. Al Snow was like a second father to me. He was an amazing teacher. Hell of a friend, great guy. I got a chance to see him after 15, 20 years of um, of um, being out of the ring. And he immediately went back into his uh, Jimmy V ribs, which uh, uh, Jimmy V, V is for vertically challenged and it's for vasectomy. It's for this, that. So Al didn't forget me and I'll never forget him. Amazing talent. He um, has a uh, wrestling school just about on every uh, – place on this planet now. He's an amazing uh, coach and entrepreneur. Uh, go visit Collar and Elbow uh, for uh, amazingly well-crafted t-shirts and other gear that I think you will love. Um, I'm not uh, a sponsored athlete or endorse or make a penny, but just go visit Al Snow at Collar and Elbow. Just Google that. Remember, Google's your mother. Go see their um, Al, Al Snow stuff and you will not be uh, disappointed by his the quality of the gear you're going to get from him. Uh, next guy, number five, Kerry uh, Von Erich, the Texas Tornado. Um, I remember watching Kerry Von Erich back. Um, I missed his early days um, when there was territories, but Kerry Von Erich uh, passed away in 93, but he was a Greek god if there ever was one when it came to his physique. And Kerry Von Erich, um, taken too early, I believe he was 33, um, by suicide, unfortunately. But they part of the whole Von Erich um, family um, dynasty, uh, from Fritz the father on down, and there's one surviving brother left. But Kerry uh, Von Erich, um, good worker. Very, very charismatic, just ridiculous good looks. Um, was looked a lot like um, Ultimate Warrior, physique-wise. Um, had his issues and his uh, demons, and unfortunately, the demons won. But um, he was very influential to me, and I always thought that he should go further than he did in the wrestling business. But you know, again, he um, kind of you know sabotaged himself. So that's that. Uh, number four, Ric Flair, the nature boy, the kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, jet flying, woo, limousine riding, son of a gun. Love Ric Flair. Um, I just thought he was so absurd. His um, his promos, you know, his interviews were off the charts crazy. And he's still very influential and in, like hip hop rap in the sports world where you'll hear time and time again, a lot of athletes saying that Ric Flair was an inspiration of them. And he is still, 
I, the man has, uh, if, if cats have nine lives, Ric Flair's got 81 lives. He's just an amazing character and there'll never be another Ric Flair. So Ric Flair, four horsemen, baby. Uh, number three, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is a guy um, that got me watching pro wrestling after about 13, 14 year hiatus where I wanted nothing to do with pro wrestling. I was just full on with fitness and television and everything I was doing in that world. And um, I just, once in a while I would peek back at wrestling, see what like the rock and Austin and guys like um, um, my trainer, Al snow and other guys that I came up through the ranks with and how far they had taken their careers. And so I just peek at it here and there, you know, be the guy that might like watch a little bit of WrestleMania, but wasn't really watching it day to day. And I tuned in and watched Daniel Bryan um, doing this uh, character with AJ Lee. And uh, he was like kind of the abusive, uh, verbally abusive boyfriend. And I just thought this guy is an amazing bad guy slash heel. And Daniel Bryan got me watching wrestling again. And uh, to this day, I'm still watching and enjoying it. And hating it in some ways as well. But uh, yeah, Daniel Bryan is amazing. Number two, the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal, Sabu, Lansing's own. Okay. Um, when I was getting ready to um, break into pro wrestling and uh, looking at like the schools and then, you know, came to Al Snow's gym, uh, Sabu was just starting to really break in. Um, out on the East coast and internationally with a company called FMW in Japan. Uh, he was the nephew. He is the nephew of the late great Sheik of um, Detroit fame of um, big time wrestling back in the 1960s and seventies. And um, I never saw anybody like this guy. I mean, he was like super tan um, scarred up like tons of scars from barbed wire matches overseas and was doing this reckless, crazy style, really wet, crazy hair in his face, sort of like a wet um, Roman Reigns or Bret Hart look. And he would do moonsaults through tables and at the end of his matches. And the first time I saw him was at a local, um, indie, the Detroit area at a racetrack where they had like a local indie show, Midwest uh, Territorial Wrestling, I believe, with Gary Warrenchuk. And um, I went to the show and... I'm watching him break tables in the ring after his match. So what the hell is this guy doing? And I was mesmerized by him and I got to work with him. Um, basically I was like a young boy just learning the ropes. So I, I had the opportunity with um, one of his, his buddies, Pee Wee Moore, who was a referee to um, go pick up Sabu at his house, take him to the shows. I would, I would be on the shows. I'd pick up guys like Tommy dreamer. Um, 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 if there was a wrestler from Japan I would pick up as well. I'll remember his name after I'm done filming. Um, but Tommy Dreamer, uh, Cactus Jack, guys like that. Um, Mick Foley, as you might know him now, um, from the airport. And really got to pick these guys' brains, have some meals with them and whatnot. And he was um, very quiet and really lived the gimmick back then. He's um, a lot more verbal now and, um, you know, with kayfabe and the whole wrestling being fake out of the bag now, um, you know, he was very influential to me. And I just recently got a chance to tell him that because back then it wasn't really cool to be like a fan or to tell another wrestler that you admired them or idolized them. But the business has changed a lot since I was in it. And so I was glad I got a chance to tell him that he just wrote a 
a book that I'm it's on order right now that I'm going to be reading as well, as well as Al Snow's book, the guy that trained me. Um, and then last and definitely the most influential wrestler on my top 10 of all time is the ultimate warrior, Jim Helwig. Um, when I was a kid, um, I had a little black and white TV in my room. And one Saturday morning, I turned it on and I saw this guy shaking ropes and was jacked and juiced to the gills and was going crazy with face paint on and just like going nuts. And I was like, what the hell is this? Because I, I grew up a sports fan where I played baseball um, semi-competitively. And um, during the off season, I was always bummed out. And so I began lifting weights and reading bodybuilding magazines and all that. And this Ultimate Warrior guy um, totally fit the bill of a bodybuilder, but he was in this ring doing all this absurd stuff. And I knew at some point that it was uh, choreographed, but I just didn't know how it worked, but I didn't care. I was just mystified by um, the all of the lights and the colors and the action and the over-the-top personas. And I just found it very entertaining. And pro wrestling was a year-round business. So um, I fell in love with that, fell out of love with baseball and uh, the ultimate warrior. It was like, I, like I idolized the guy for years. And then uh, once I got in the business and I heard about his reputation and that he wasn't really uh, a respecter of wrestling, but was really just trying to elevate himself and make as much money as he could. Then I, I became a little bit of a wrestling snob and didn't like him anymore. And then years go by and then appreciated what he did in wrestling. Um, and he realized it was a business and it's about making money. And that's what he did. And he knew his value and his worth and he got it financially, um, whether he burned a bridge or not. So Anyways, guys, I know it's a little off the beaten path, but I was just feeling um, like one, like I wanted to share that. I probably rambled on for a while here, but hopefully you enjoyed the video and uh, like, share, subscribe. And for those that are uh, coming to my Hall of Fame induction for Michigan, um, I'll see you there. All right, guys, take care. I'll talk to you soon.